This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Caribbean is way more than a place to go on a cruise or relax on the beach. Is the region beautiful? Of course, that goes without saying. But lurking alongside the beauty are shadows of the past, the brutal history of colonization, enslavement, and the current weight of international debt. So how do you make sense of this history and the present moment and the various identities on the islands and in the diaspora? In the Museum of Contemporary Art exhibit called Forecast Form, Art in the Caribbean Diaspora 1990 to Today, curator Carla Acevedo Yates takes on these questions and more. And she joins us now in studio. Welcome to Reset, Carla. Thank you so much, Sasha. I'm thrilled to be here. Good to see you. Now, the show is gorgeous. I saw it yesterday. It's a massive undertaking. Thank you. Yeah, it is. You're featuring work from several decades, um, over a dozen countries. How did you come up with this concept? Really, this concept has been brewing in my mind for, I would say, for like a couple of years. Really? I mean, but really because I grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up in Puerto Rico. I've seen how the imagery of the Caribbean has been circulating outside the region. And there's always like a frustration, right? Like people come to the Caribbean to take a vacation, to take a break, like you say, that to take a cruise. And I really wanted to make an exhibition to think about how artists are thinking about those deep histories that really lie in the region, the histories of colonialism, of climate change, of pre-capitalist societies, all of those things that constitute the region and that are really shaping the modern world. You talked about the images that are circulating. What's the frustration? So if you Google the Caribbean, the first thing you see is a palm tree. And the first thing that people think is a place where you go to escape, to escape Mm -hmm. your life, to take a break. And I think that, you know, sometimes folks come into the region without really knowing the rich history that the region has and like how the Caribbean has really shaped contemporary world. And that's something that was really important for me to forefront in the show. So you do see these like beautiful landscapes in the show, but it's really thinking about um, all these like deeper histories around colonialism that I think should be forefronted. Yeah. So how would you then describe your approach to contemporary art in the Caribbean diaspora and and how it's different from, say, how other curators have approached it before. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I've been seeing Caribbean shows for quite a while. So it comes from all this history of me seeing shows, you know, back in Puerto Rico, but also outside of Puerto Rico in the U.S. and Europe. Um, And I think sometimes, like, there's this idea of like really wanting to think about the beauty of the landscape. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we all, we all know that history. We all know, we all know these images. We all know how the imagery has been circulating. For for me, the approach is really looking at artists that are thinking from a a more complex way, from a way that is not, that really kind of takes away from all those stereotypes of the Caribbean. Yeah. We should shout out the others who assisted with curation on this show. I'm talking Iris Colburn, yes. uh, Isabel Casso, and Nolan Jimbo. Yeah, we have a great team of people working with us. Why did you choose to do a group exhibit? Yeah, so like, you know, I'm a curator and solo exhibitions are great and working very closely with one artist is always really gratifying. But group shows are really an opportunity to develop a thesis through an exhibition in the same way that you read an article and it has like an argument Mm -hmm. or you um, write a book and there's like a a through line through a book. A group exhibition um, is a way to make a really complex argument through a set of artists or objects in a very different way. So the, the show does have a couple of arguments running through them and it gives you the opportunity to see all of these different issues and how artists are thinking about it from different ways, like from painting, mm-hmm. sculpture, video. So it really gives you like a good sense of different approaches to these ideas. Well, to that end, the, ni- the 1990s Caribbean we mentioned is the cultural 
backdrop of, of your show. Right. It's also the time that I spent growing up in, in the Caribbean, in like Jamaica. Me. Exactly. The 80s, the 90s. I remember right. it like it was yesterday, right? And so much of what I remember intersects with what I saw at your exhibition oh, and the, the themes, the constant movement of people, of places, major weather events. I mean, some of my greatest memories as a child had to do with hurricanes. Right. Um, why use that time period, the 90s, to get your point across? So, again, I grew up in the 90s, yeah. you know, so it's also the decade where I came of age in the Caribbean. And I left in actually in 1996 to study in New York. So it's like the time where I kind of like became a, a young adult yeah. in Puerto Rico. But it's also like a very important decade to think about um, in terms of identity politics. So like all of these ideas around identity, around globalization um, that are really shaping the region, the first um, Pan-Caribbean group exhibition um, was um, made in the 90s. So there was a lot of optimism around making the Caribbean global and sort of being on the global stage, right? Um, but it's also the time of the Centennial. And I remember when I was um, very young, um, in 1992, um, going to San Juan to see the Gran Regata Colón with mm-hmm. my parents and my sister. You know, there was a lot of cultural activity in the early 90s um, in the region. Um, and this idea of the celebration, quote-unquote, of the discovery of the Americas. So it was a time of like cultural effervescence, um, the yeah. time of where a lot of the artists in the show grew up, um, and a time of like you know a lot of exhibitions that were trying to think about the Caribbean through colonialism because of that centennial, so the celebration of those five hundred years. Yeah, I want to talk more about the art that uh, is on display. There are some very moving and and beautiful pieces, but I feel like it's the videos that uh, Reset producer Linnea and I. We still can't stop talking about. Uh, there's one in particular. There's a trio of videos in in a, in a dark room. You've got the the tropical zinkfony, as yes. you you call it. It's got the mangoes rolling down the the big zinc metal sheets. Uh, there's another video of just rainwater running down a stream, and then you've got the the domino effect of falling bricks. Love that. I sat in that room for. I'm not even going to admit how long I sat in that room <laughs> I love those videos. But the movement was just so mesmerizing, yeah. Carla, and it reminded me of my childhood. I mean, yeah. I still, I'm still walking around with a, a scar on my foot from a piece of zinc in the yeah. backyard. Were you, did you, were you just hanging around my old house in Jamaica and capturing <laughs> images? Of, that's the thing. It's like I feel like everybody who's from the Caribbean has like a memory. We have of so like, many stories. We have of cuts a mango. And I know bruises. from like a mango, like the sound of a mango falling off a roof sink. Oh my gosh! You know, so yes. we so there's all these moments in the show that are like bringing memories for folks that like are you know, are familiar with the region, like us who grew up in the region, but also re- revealing certain parts of the region that folks are not like who've never been to the Caribbean that we're speaking about, right? Yeah. They, they go to the resorts, they go to the cruise, and they don't really dig deep into these histories. And those videos, I mean, I think it's such a playful moment in the show because there's moments that are very tough. You know, there are artworks that um, are dealing with very, very serious, serious issues. Um, but there's also moments of joy, yes. of beauty, and of playfulness. And those videos by um, Donna Conlon and Jonathan Harker, it's, it's that playful moment, but I they're also it. speaking about something very very hard, you know, mm-hmm. some, something very difficult, you know, they're talking about climate change, they're talking about the flooding of the streets when the water bottle goes down, the plastic water bottle going down the street. Exactly. And we all know, we all know in the Caribbean, when it rains, it rains, it floods. It rains for days. Exactly. So yeah. we are all familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got uh, the gas men videos, right? Uh, you see these uh, dark silhouettes on the shore of a beach. It's against this light blue sky. Um, swinging at what could be a rope, it, it looks like, um, a fishing line, maybe into the sea. 
you look closer, though, it's actually a gasoline pump. Yeah, gas pumps. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, that's how work that I'm glad you brought it up because Christopher Cosier, he's from Trinidad. He's been one of my mentors for many years. And I think that our conversations have really shaped the show. And he's been a mentor for, actually for a lot of artists in Jamaica, for Cosmo White, Ebony Patterson, some artists in the show. Mm-hmm. And this work in particular, you know, you look at it and there are these two men dressed up in suits. So they look like businessmen and they're having these gas pumps that they're like throwing around like cowboys, you know, like yeah. lassos, like, but also pointing... Um, the gas pumps at each other as if they were in like a duel, like yeah. a cowboy duel. Right. Um, but actually, that f- that was filmed here in Lake Michigan. He was here in a residency at Northwestern University. Really? Um, and it really speaks to this idea of like, it could be Caracas, it could be Trinidad, it could be, you know, all of these places in the world that have a relationship to the oil industry like it Trinidad. It stops you in your tracks for sure. I mean, and it's I remember so when beautiful. I stepped into that room, I was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. What, what are and they the doing? music, you know, the music <laughs> is like South Asian, you know, it sounds like South Asian music, but it's actually Trinidadian music because of the South Asian migration to the region. So it's really like questioning what you see what you think you know you see, mm-hmm. and how you associate certain visuals and certain sounds with certain places. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking with Carla Acevedo Yates, who curated the Forecast Form Show at the MCA, and it showcases Caribbean art. She is the Marilyn and Larry Fields curator at the museum, and you can check out the show now through April 23rd. Uh, I want to go back to Cosmo White, who you mentioned a second ago, uh, one of your uh, featured artists, because that black wash I know. chain curtain piece. It's amazing. My goodness, uh, walking through that. So, you're, so for those who haven't seen it, you're walking through essentially a curtain, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, on the curtain is uh, basically uh, transferred archival photos of uh, folks watching a cricket match back in the 80s. This right. was what, England versus the West the Indies? The West Indies, yeah. Heated time, there was, you know, and, and blackwashing versus whitewashing. It has to do with, like, the number of games won. But it was it was bringing up more than just people watching a game. There was yeah. a whole anti-blackness and racism. Right. There's a whole deep issue there. Right, and it's also like a playful work. You know, you go through the curtain. It's fun for kids. But what it's talking about is something really serious. I mean, but for Cosmo, you know, I always ask him, why a curtain? You know, and he's like, it's something from... The domestic space in Jamaica. People yes. use these cur- muted curtains. My grandmother had those <laughs> curtains. I love that. I love that. So people use these curtains to divide spaces and stir- instead of like doors or other other types of um, furniture. Um, and this image in particular, like you said, it was from a cricket match between the West Indies um, and um, Britain when the West Indies won consecutive matches. And usually in cricket terms, that's called a whitewash. And the, the image captures a moment when one of the spectators of the cricket match goes into the field with this um, sign that says blackwash. Mm-hmm. And what he's really talking about um, is about how certain um, race relations are played um, in sports. And, and that's something that, you know, sometimes we don't think about sports and, and politics, but um, cricket really was an arena where all of these different issues were being discussed and, and they were being really played out. Yeah. you. Uh, I've got to talk to you about the installation uh, Sugar Bittersweet. This is by a Cuban artist, Maria Magdalena Campos Pons. Um, it takes on the violent history of enslaved Africans who were you know, laboring on, on sugar plantations. You see these, it's beautiful, sharp spears. They're sitting on these stools and they've got discs of, you know, sugar in various shades from black to brown. Um, it's all a metaphor for you know, racial categorization, I think, right? right? Uh, 
immediately I thought of fields of sugar canes. Yeah, <laughs> right? you got it. Yeah. How do you think this piece invites viewers to think about not just the, the legacy of this violence, but how it's still operating in the Caribbean right now? Yeah, and I see that piece really as a portrait of the artist, and I think a lot of people can see themselves in in, in the materials that are used in, in this installation, which is something that for me is really important, is that it's not only about seeing images that reflect us, but thinking about materials. Materials have their own history. Objects have their own history. And sometimes we don't think about, like, the history of an object or a material such as a spear or like a Chinese stool. And what does this mean, right? So Maria Magdalena Campos Pons grew up in Matanzas, Cuba, mm-hmm. and she grew up um, around the for- the ruins of a former um, sugar plantation. So it's really like a portrait of who she is. She's a Chinese um, Yoruba Cuban woman. That's how she defines herself. Um, and the installation is made out of these um, Chinese stools and Yoruba spears that are um, you know, they have these like sugar donuts, like I, as you say, from white to molasses, black yeah. molasses that really are talking about racial categories. Right. Mm. Um, so it's really thinking about identity. Otherwise, that's, that's how I would. De- piece. Yeah, that's how I would define that piece. Yeah. Well, let's go back to your your Puerto Rican roots. We know there's a huge population here in, in Chicago. How did you want to represent the island in this exhibition? So there's a few artists from Puerto Rico in the exhibition or that live in Puerto Rico. So one of them is Celia Sanchez, who's a Cuban artist who's been established in Puerto Rico since the 1970s and who has been, you know, a professor. I mean, she's now in her 90s, but she has been a professor for many, many generations of artists down in the island. There's Daniel Lind. Um, So there's several artists, but really the focus is kind of like a larger um, Caribbean focus that mm-hmm. I really wanted to do in this particular exhibition. But upcoming in the fall, in August, I am doing an exhibition that's really focused on the relations between Chicago and Puerto Rico. Oh, so it is fo- it, there are some Puerto Rican artists, but again, there's another show that's going to be more focused on, you know, these aesthetic and social justice relationships because Chicago and Puerto Rico. Because I, I mean, I moved here four years ago, coming up on four years. and To Chicago. Yeah, and it just, it's so amazing to find community here. It's just, it just really makes yeah. a difference. I love that this is the, the first fully bilingual show uh, in uh, Spanish and English. How does that feel? It feels amazing. It feels like a long time coming. If it it does. So so we did do a smaller show um that is fully bilingual. Carolina Caicedo opened during the pandemic, unfortunately, and I also curated that exhibition. Yeah. But Forecast Form is really our first major exhibition. And and that feels so gratifying because I know that um, myself, along with the team that I work with, we're really shaping the institution. We're really making change. And that's part of, you know, it's part of a larger program. It's part of a larger curatorial program that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, and it's part of like, um, you know, part of our goals in the institution to really reflect our communities. And there are other dialects and, and other languages in the Caribbean, but you, you chose to foreground Spanish. Yes. Spanish because of the population here in Chicago. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Makes sense. Carla Acevedo Yates, Marilyn and Larry Fields curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago. She curated Forecast Form, Art in the Caribbean Diaspora, 1990 to today. And it's on view at the MCA. It's absolutely beautiful through April 23rd. Thank you, Carla. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. 
That is it for Reset. Tomorrow on the show, in Chicago and other cities around the country, arrests for gun possessions, they're rising, but many shootings are going unsolved. We're going to talk to the reporters behind a brand new investigation that looks at some of the unintended consequences of that rise in arrests. Plus, we meet the hosts of WBEZ's newest podcast. It's called When Magic Happens, and it's described this way. It's three black women, three generations, no filters. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. We'll meet again tomorrow. It is 1258. You're listening to 91.5 WBEZ. Coming up next on Here and Now, the Biden administration is leaning on Canada to take a leadership role in efforts to curb multiple crises in Haiti. You'll learn more in 10 minutes. I'm Lisa Lavis. Good afternoon. The Sweet 16 matchups are set. And for those of you who are cynical about college hoops, here's a different perspective. Cohesiveness, continuity, unselfishness, toughness, the ability to overcome adversity. Those are some of the things that I've observed in this great tournament so far. How coaching and school culture can be the magic formula behind Cinderella teams on All Things Considered from NPR News. That's today at 3 o'clock on 91.5 WBEZ. WBEZ is supported by Dark Matter Coffee, proudly sourcing coffees and cocoa from Central and South America, a culinary family dedicated to producing brews and bars for everyone. DarkMatterCoffee.com, get freshly roasted. And by Wolcott College Prep, a preparatory high school for students with learning differences such as ADHD and dyslexia tailored to their strengths and aspirations. Applications are available at WolcottCollegePrep.org. This is WBEZ HD Chicago 91.5 FM, WBEQ HD Morris 90.7 FM, WBEK Kankakee 91.1 FM, W219 CD Elgin, and on the WBEZ app. Probably going to see some showers and maybe some thunderstorms throughout the afternoon. Right now, overcast skies at Midway and O'Hare, where it's 47 degrees. It's 1 o'clock.